Hello and welcome to the commentary for 332. This is 2 Kings chapter 3. I haven't posted a lesson in a while. We have been really sick in this house. Uh, started with my son Sam. He got the flu and then we all just sort of fell like dominoes. So it was pretty harsh but we are doing better and today was our day, our first day back into the real world. The boys went back to school. Ryan went uh, to work and I did my stuff at my errands and meetings and everything that I do. So it's been busy. Um, I'm not quite back up 100%. So it was a little, um, I got really tired today, but for the most part, I'm better. I think I'll have a cough that's, we will all have a cough that really, from what I understand, will probably go on for a couple more weeks, but that's okay. We feel tons better than we did and we're just happy to be here. So hope you all are staying healthy in this flu season that is just the worst I've seen in a long time. So um, it's pretty bad out there. So wash your hands and don't touch your face. <laughs> that's my advice to you. Okay, so here we have um, war between Israel and Moab. Now, King Ahab has died, remember, and his son, Ahaziah, took over, and he didn't do, the King Mesha of Moab was not paying the tribute that he used to pay to King Ahab, which was 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams, and he paid that on an annual basis to King Ahab. Um, once King Ahab died, like I said, Ahaziah took over. Ahaziah apparently never really did anything about it. And now um, Ahaziah's brother is King Joram. And he's decided that he is going to stand up and he is going to take what he felt was rightfully his and he would demand this payment. And I don't know why he all of a sudden decided to collect on this. Um, I imagine just power and greed. But in any case, so King Joram, and remember he's the king of the northern kingdom, that would be considered Israel. So he decides to declare war on Moab. And he, of course, asks Jehoshaphat, the king of the southern kingdom, Judah, to join in his forces. Jehoshaphat replies, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. So that sounds familiar, right? So let's go back to 1 Kings 22. The reason that sounds familiar is because he said the same thing to King Ahab. Did I say what it was? 1 Kings 22. Um, verse 5, Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops. My horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat added, But first, let's find out what the Lord says. Right? Well, here, he doesn't say, But first, let's find out what the Lord says. He says, After he says, Sure, of course, my horses are your whatever. He says, What route will we take? So it just kind of took me back. Like, wait a second. No, let me check with God first. I mean, you'd think that Jehoshaphat would have learned from his mistakes. Um, Jehoshaphat is a godly man, and it's clear through the readings that we've had so far of him that he tries to listen to the Lord. He consults the prophets of God. 
not the false prophets. But he has relationships. His daughter intermarried with King Ahab's son. So he has intertwined with these evil kings. So as great as Jehoshaphat is, I would say that is certainly his folly. His deeply rooted relationships with these evil people. So anyways, um, they decide to go to war against Moab. And they decide that they will go through Edom. And of course, the king of Edom and his troops just joined them. So I'm sure that that was the whole reason for them going that way. It must have been because they collected a whole nother army. So now they have three solid armies traveling through the wilderness for seven days. Gotta like that number. Um, But there was no water for the men or the animals. And so they start complaining. And the king of Israel, Joram, he starts just, woe is me. The Lord has brought us all out here just to let the king of Moab defeat us. So he feels that the Lord called him to this war. Um, But King Jehoshaphat of Judah says, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. And so one of the, one of King Joram's officers replies and says, oh yeah, Elisha, son of Shaphat is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Well, Jehoshaphat recognizes that name. He said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So he knows that Elisha is a man of God and is a prophet of God. <clears throat> or at the very least, he knows that he was under the tutelage of Elijah, his mentor. And so the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom went to consult with Elisha. Now that is unusual if you think about it, because usually kings would demand that a prophet come to them. So this is a humble act. (coughs) The fact that they are going to Elisha. And probably one of the many reasons that God decided to give them victory. Um, Elisha first makes a comment. Um, he is obviously not a fan of King Joram. He says, why are you coming to me? Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. That would be Ahab and Jezebel. We know that they had false idols and false prophets. And King Joram says, no, it's the Lord who called us here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. So he's still on his diatribe about how the Lord sent us on a suicide mission. Um, And Elisha just, you can tell that he just really is not a fan. He says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my king, except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. That's kind of funny to me. Um, Bring me someone who plays the harp. But there's something to this. He's frustrated. He needs to get himself in the right frame of mind to hear from God. And so he wants to listen to the harp. So someone comes and plays the harp. And I'm sure it wasn't immediately. But... While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. 
the fact that it says you will see neither wind nor rain is a testimony to say that this will be for no other reason other than God deemed it to happen. Um, this is the power of God. And by the way, in verse 18, this is only a simple thing of the Lord. This was nothing for him. Um, but you will have plenty of water for yourselves, your cattle, and your animals. Not only that, that's just the beginning. He will give you victory over the army of Moab. So, the next day, they wake up. And it says, about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. And it was flowing from the direction of Edom. And soon there was water everywhere. And this is interesting because then the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them. They mobilized. They're, gonna, they're getting ready to go to war against them. And it says they got up, but when they got up the next morning, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites, like blood. So they thought it was blood. So they assumed that the three armies against them must have killed each other. And all that was left was a pool of blood. Remember that water was not there before. The land was dry. And so they see like this mirage of blood that was really just water, but it looked like blood to them. So they made a false interpretation of that. <coughs> they went out to collect the plunder. And of course, once they did, Israel came down and attacked them and destroyed everything as they went. And so Israel and Judah conquers Moab. Um, verse 26, this is disturbing. It says, when the king of Moab saw that he was losing the battle, he led 700 of his swordsmen in a de desperate attempt to break through the enemy lines near king, the king of Edom, but they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, and sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. Why did he do that? I'm going to read something that I found on BibleHub.com. This is something that we've talked about before, um, more back, way back in Genesis, but it was customary for other various heathen nations to offer human sacrifices and even their own children. Um, this was frequent among the Phoenicians, the Greeks, Romans, um, Africans, and others, and was the natural fruit of of a religious system which had for the objects of its worship cruel and merciless merciless divinities. The king of Moab, in this case, sacrificed his son to obtain the favor of Chemosh, his god, who, being a devil, delighted in blood and murder and the destruction of mankind. The dearer anything was to them, the more acceptable those idolaters thought the sacrifice and therefore burnt their children in the fire to their honor. That is horrifying, isn't it? And so the reason that this king of Moab sacrificed his son as a burnt offering on that wall had to be to appeal to his God, to his false God. And so there it says, Right after that, there was a great anger. There was great anger against Israel. So the people of Moab were very upset 
with the loss of that son. And so Israel got the heck out of there. Even though they conquered the Moabites and they won that war, they at least recognized the situation and went back to their own land. I'm trying to think of what the takeaway here would be. I think it's interesting. I don't know that there's really a takeaway other than um, the three kings humbled themselves and went to where Elisha was. And they consulted in him. They did not consult in the false prophets. So that's definitely good. King Jehoshaphat answered to Joram the same exact way he answered King Ahab. You'd think he would learn. But like I said, their families are very intertwined. And so he is a man of his word. Jehoshaphat takes his relationships. He's a loyal friend, a loyal ally. We will learn a lot more about Elisha. And there's so much um, parallels drawn between Elijah and Elisha. Um, I'm excited to share that with you, but we're not quite there yet. I think we need to come to a place in the story where we're really getting a lot more of his story. So that'll be exciting. Something to look forward to. But that's really it. Um, I also like how Elisha needed to get in his in the right frame of mind and he listened to the harp. And that's how he heard from the Lord. That's pretty cool to me. Um, and then God showed off with the water and gave them victory over Moab. And he did it in a way that God likes to do, that there's just no confusion of where that victory came from. So that's really it for today. Keep it short and sweet, but I hope you all have a great day. I will talk to you soon.